0: Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of Poor Man's Lore. My name is Kevin Cody and today we're just going to be talking about, you know, a couple miscellaneous things in the world of Magic the Gathering. Definitely want to hit some uh, predictions for March of the Machine, talk about Phyrexia, I'll be one pre-release a little bit, and uh, I think we're going to start off by just kind of going over who am I, how did I start playing Magic the Gathering and having opinions on the lore, you know, and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess we'll start with with that, right? Who am I? Uh, I started playing Magic in about 2013 in Return to Ravnica block. I was a freshman in high school, and my English teacher just asked me one day if I'd ever heard of Magic the Gathering, and I was like, no, I have not. And he was like, You, I, I think you would probably like it. Which I now realize was not exactly a compliment, but he was—he uh, was very right. So I I went home that day and I watched what I think might still be up on YouTube. Uh, I didn't know at the time who this guy was, but it was Jimmy Wong uh, on like Magic's official YouTube, teaching you like this is what a magic card is, and I was immediately hooked. Uh, you know. I asked my mom, hey, can we go to Target? I, you know, they sell this thing there and I want to get it. And I got the Azorius, uh, they're they're like like pre-made decks, but they're like the shitty ones that they did away with, but they came out with each set. Uh, I got that one and uh, it was pretty exciting. And so I went back to school and I told my English teacher about, you know, oh, I got this card and it was, you know, it's great. I can't wait to play with it. And we started the Magic the Gathering Club at my high school, which is, like, just as nerdy, uh, worse than it sounds. Uh, Like, the nerdiest thing I've ever done, probably in my life, but it was a lot of fun. Um, Around that time, I was mostly playing, like, kitchen table, you know, 60-card pile of cards, you know, like, regular magic rules, like you can only have four of a card, etc., but weren't, you know, playing modern or standard or anything like that. It was, you know, whatever we had around. But then, at some point, someone brought in one of the Commander Precons in, this was, you know, like 2013, uh, so I think this would have been the second round of Commander Precons. Um, You know, I don't know if I got them right on the bleeding edge of when they came out, but... I eventually found out, you know, if you go to a local game store, they have a way better selection than, like, Target does. And I got the Olaro Precon, the one that's, like, pseudo Eminence, not really Eminence, but basically Eminence. And uh, I really liked that deck quite a lot. Uh, I've always really liked playing blue. Uh, and then when the 2014 Precons came out, I got the Teferi one, Mono Blue. And that's a lot of what we played, because we liked playing, like, super long, ridiculous games with, like, 20 people in it, and, like, you know, ridiculous formats, like, we didn't have Planes Chase, but we would, we would have loved Planes Chase back in the day, me and the folks I played with in high school, Um, and that, you know, that was pretty much it, like, the extent of it, I, I did that for, like, a year or two in high school, and then I just got busy with, you know, other things, and graduating high school, being a junior, and, you know, all that, doing actual schoolwork, and just kind of fell by the wayside, except then one day, uh, you know, packing up for college, and I am such a, you know, pack rat, a bit of a hoarder, and, you know, I was trying to think, like, okay, you know, what do I need for college, and some, some reason I, I grabbed the Teferi precon and I said, I'm gonna bring this, why not, you know, like, I wasn't playing magic at that time, so it really was not something I needed to bring with me. But I, you know, figured heck, I threw it in the car. It definitely sat in my car in like the cold <laughs> New England winters for man, at, at least I want to say a couple months, if not a year. And then I was walking around uh, the mall with my roommate at that time, and we walked by Newberry Comics, and they were having some kind of sale on magic. And I was like, oh, I used to play magic. He was like, "No way, me too," and so I was like, "Yo, we should play magic when we get home." So that's what we did. We, uh, I think, we might have bought some magic at Newberry Comics, but we did uh, play when we got home. And I was like, "Yeah, I got ch- you know, I think I have some in the car maybe," and I whipped out the old Teferi precon and he had a dinosaur deck, which, you know, I, I do truly hate that deck, uh, you know, still to this day, someone slaps down a Gishath, I will kill it, been burned too many times by that, uh, but, you know, we, you know, we'd play occasionally, and it, it really snowballed into, like, my main hobby at that point, uh, I got my other friends into it, and at that point, we were really playing Kitchen Table, um, you know, we'd, play like a commander deck versus a pile of cards versus, you know, well, I guess they're all kind of piles of cards, but in, in various levels of completeness and, you know, thought outness. By the time I was a sophomore, me and that roommate I started playing with, uh, were not getting along too well and I was still living with him. So I would go to my other friend's, uh, dorm room and we would play magic like for hours every night, uh, you know, do the homework and then, you know, what else was there to do? Magic, I guess. And, and we did, uh, it's my good buddy Cam who I'm sure I'll have on here, you know, one of these times shout out to Cam. But, uh, you know, I actually, I even, I saw Cam last night on my way home from the pre-release. I brought him a commander deck and a pre-release pack so that he could also experience the, uh, you know, the new set. And he actually got one of those cool new Phyrexian, dice, like the dice that are in Phyrexian, the 1 and 15 pre-release packs have, so be on the lookout for those if you open a pre-release pack and you get a Phyrexian dice, those are valuable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically the story of, you know, how I started playing Magic um, when I got back into it, and eventually I went to, well, me and Cam, went to, you know, a bunch of different local game stores because we wanted to play with other people that weren't just us and also buy new cards. And we found a card shop about 12 minutes from where we were going to college, and I just, I love going there. It's it's my favorite place to play Magic. Um, it's a really great local game store. You know, everyone has their local game store horror stories of, you know, folks that are there that are maybe not the most fun to play with, or, you know, smell, but I really do uh, like this card shop quite a lot, and I've continued to go there, even after moving back in with my parents after college, Uh, I still make the drive, it's like a 50 minute drive from my house to the card shop, but I make it every Tuesday, and you know, if there's a pre-release on a Friday, Uh, because I really love playing there, but Anyway, once I, you know, went to that card shop and they had a really decent selection of cards, that's where it really took off for me. Uh, Commander was like, you know, my favorite format, totally designed for me. I love the lore, I love, you know, legendary creatures are a huge part of that, so naturally I really gravitated towards Commander. Uh, when I came back into it, the first deck that I built was Krufix, uh, God of the Horizons, which I it's funny, because I actually later found, like, a screenshot of some old decklist that I'd put together for it that, you know, like, genuinely sucked, it had, um, Scoot Mob was, like, I, you know, I thought that card was, like, the fucking coolest thing, I think it wasn't even a commander deck that I was building, so I had four Scoot Mobs in it, which, why, but, uh, yeah, that, (laughs) that was my first attempt at fix, and then I, you know, I started consuming all of the magic content, and I think there was a Command Zone podcast, like one of the earlier ones, was on. Some guy came on and talked about his CruFix deck, and I was like, "That sounds so cool!" So I decided, you know, yeah, I'm gonna build that. I'm gonna build that. That's gonna be like one of my main commander decks, and it was. And uh, actually, I still have that deck. I consider that to be like. You know, in a, in a way, All Row was my favorite and, you know, first commander deck, but really it's Crewfix. That's the one that I've stuck with and kept together. I definitely have the most money in it, most, you know, shiny, cool things in it, and, you know, another actually really fun thing, just in a My Life update, uh, since I recorded the last podcast, I actually was contacted, and it's funny, I, I reached out to this person on uh, the Magic Art Market Facebook group, uh, months ago, like months and months ago, and I had reached out just to say, hey, I saw that you bought the, uh, sketch for the Secret Lair version of Crufix, which I think is probably my favorite card, uh, definitely one of them, maybe not my all-time favorite, because they did make Melderza, which I love with everything in me, but anyway, the, the Crufix, uh, sketch, for the secret lair version that Jason Engel did he I messaged that, that person I was like you know I would love to own this someday I see you bought it if you ever want to sell it hit me up and he did uh, he hit me up the other day and it was like two weeks ago now but uh, he was like yeah no I'm ready to sell this thing you know shoot me an offer so I shot him the offer that he paid for it and he was like yes you know sounds good, I'll send it out, and right now, as I record this, I am looking at, uh, that, which is the first piece of original magic art that I own, which, f- it just feels like a really big moment for me, I've always wanted to own an original piece of magic art, and it's Crufix, I, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite characters, probably my favorite character that's alive in current lore, knock on wood, because, March of the Machine is coming, and, you know, Wizards sure has been uh, making some decisions I dislike recently in regards to completing my favorite uh, characters. You know, around the time that I built the Crufix deck, I also built a Weatherlight deck, <laughs> which, uh, that's completed too now, so that's awesome. Uh, that was actually a deck that I built because I was listening to the Vorthos cast at the time, uh, the, there were a couple episodes on the Weatherlight Saga, and I just really liked it, and that was around the time that the new Gerard and Tangarth cards were coming out in the Commander products that year, which, you know, they weren't really Commanders themselves, I guess Tangarth could be, you know, Gerard is, like, what, what, what are you building with that, but, uh, Sisei came out, I think, all of those did come out around the same time. I want to say like 2019, maybe 2018. But Sissé came out came out in uh, Modern Horizons one, and I was like, yes, I'm I'm building this as a lore deck with all the you know members of the Weatherlight crew. It's probably one of the easier lore decks to build because you know five color, bunch of legends, and it actually is still a pretty punchy deck that I do actually still own. And uh, I thought it would get more toys than it uh, did in Dominaria United. But new Sisei, uh, or Shauna Sisei. So I can't complain too much. Um, switching gears a little bit here. Uh, let, let's let talk, I want to talk about uh, March of the Machine. And, you know, the state of where Magic Story is now and where it's going in March of the Machine. Which I, I think is going to be a huge set. And, you know, the you know, switching gears a little bit, but also kinda of still talking about when I got back into magic. Um, I got back in around War of the Spark. Uh well, I guess technically Guilds of Ravnica, but the, you know, War of the Spark block, I did the Guilds of Ravnica pre release as my first pre release back. And then the Ravnica Allegiance one, and I think out of those two I I had, you know, some Izzet cards I was playing with, some Semic cards I was playing with, and at some point, then, you know, War of the Spark comes out, and at that point, I was just so fully excited about the magic lore, uh, you know, the lore specifically about what planeswalkers are going to die, and, you know, which ones are, are going to even show up in the first place, and, I'm, you know, I remember the, like, the stained glass images came out, and people were trying to figure out, like, Okay, okay, like, you know, which planeswalker is that, and, you know, everyone was like, oh my god, the Wanderer, is Emmer cool, and, you know, so much fun speculation happening there. Uh, that was when I really got back into magic lore, and it's, you know, the current magic lore, and I just feel like it's, it's kind of a symmetrical moment where, you know, March of the Machine is certainly another big arc, probably the biggest arc, They've done since War of the Spark, and I'm wicked excited about it. Uh, some of my predictions for it, based off the information we have, uh, and, and I, I do want to go over some of the. You know, I, I like talking about the stuff that's like, you know, it's really on the bleeding edge of like what what is coming. Uh, some of my predictions for the March of the Machines. I did see there was some kind of post on the Magic Rumors subreddit that Quintorius is going to spark, and he's going to go to Ixalan. And I kind of wonder, because it also ties into the whole, like, if, you know, for those of you that haven't heard, uh, Maro confirmed there's going to be some kind of big shakeup in the gameplay of Magic the Gathering and people were wondering, what's that gonna be, is it gonna be a new type of Planeswalker, or, you know, mechanically, lore-wise, like, what, what does that mean, uh, and then we got the new Atraxa, which says battles on it, which, you know, it, it, that's probably what he's talking about, is that a new card type, which, that's actually, that's pretty huge, when was the last time we got a new card type, I would think, probably lore win when Planeswalkers came out, like, can't think of any other examples recently, and that was a huge gameplay moment of a big change-up, so potentially, yeah, this is going to be a major shake-up, adding battles to things, but I also wonder about how they're going to logistically pull off having so many characters, I mean, especially just going, like, from War of the Spark forward, commander it was clearly on their mind a lot of the times the new you know sets like I think Time forward which I feel like that's when they first that that is when they first started setting this up because that's when Vorinclex showed up at that point we were getting uncommon legendaries and like a minimum 20 legends in a set and inevitably each of those is someone's favorite character you know I'm I'm no you know expert on all of them, but there's someone out there that built an Inga Runei's EDH deck that they love, and they want to see oh, well, what's you know what's that character up to now? I, I do wonder how they're going to be able to pull off, logistically, doing this and, and you know, doing justice to all of the characters that they have. Uh, realistically, they can't print them all. It's probably going to be... We, we saw that one piece of art with, like... Chandra, and Dina, and Kyrie and, you know, a bunch of different characters, Essica, all teaming up and running down the world tree in a big, like, you know, Avengers moment, and we'll probably get a bunch of cards like that, actually, that's probably a battle card now that I'm thinking about it, they probably showed us the art for a battle card already, sneaky, but, you know, it, it'll probably be a lot of that and less legends, but I do have, you know, my first big prediction about March of the Machines is I think for the first time every single creature is going to be legendary I I think they can pull it off too it you know because like gameplay wise right I feel like it's going to be tough maybe not the commons but like I feel like you could even do the commons having some common legends I feel like would really add some scale to this thing and It doesn't seem that undoable. Like, it it would certainly be something to take into account when building a deck. You're basically going to be, you know, be building, like, singleton in the limited environment. But I don't think that's a huge problem, honestly. I think they could pull it off. You know, I don't think every instant in sorcery could be legendary, with the same restrictions of legendary sorceries that already exist, of you have to control a legendary permanent. But... I think Legends Matter is a a pretty no-brainer idea for Wizards to be pulling off. Um, You know, I I, I think it would be pretty sick. I also, I wonder if they're gonna do something different with Planeswalkers. Some people were speculating that because Planeswalker means something now, would every, you know, new card be a Planeswalker? I, I don't think that's gonna be what it is, but maybe Planeswalkers look different post March of the machines you know uh, one of the one of the things is and, and I think I already talked about this but someone someone said on the magic like leaks or magic rumors subreddit that Quintorius is gonna spark, which I like and I feel like is probably gonna happen. maybe he's gonna be like a main character for the story which I think would be great. you know Quintorius is a really fun character. Um, he's on the box art for March of the machines. And that leak came out well before that art was shown. So that's gonna be really interesting. But also on that art was Thalia, who I know like a lot of people like that character, real fan favorite character. It it would feel kind of like a weird fan y moment if they just randomly sparked her in, in a traditional sense. You know, I feel like Quintorius, if he sparks in the traditional sense of has some kind of traumatic moment, planes walks away. That makes sense. I feel like that's not forced. But if they do that with Thalia, I feel like it is kind of forced, like, to, you know, give the fans what they want. But, I don't know, I feel like they set up, like, a really fun thing narratively with Audric as a vampire now, and he and Thalia are gonna go hunt down werewolves and vampires and, you know, just be protectors of uh, Innistrad. I think that's a really fun plot line. So, You know, ultimately, I don't know that Quintorius is going to spark, but I think it's a pretty strong likelihood. I actually just built a Quintorius-themed deck. It's not really a lore deck per se, but just to get invested in some characters that I'm relatively confident don't die in March of the Machines, so I have something to hold on to. Uh, I built a Nashi deck recently as well, mostly just because I, I, I really like Tameo. And uh, for those of you that know me, th- this is not a, a surprise. But uh, when Tamio was completed, that was uh, a devastating <laughs> moment for me. I really was uh, genuinely upset when they completed Tamio. Um, So I built Nashi, and I'm hoping that maybe Tamio can get better. That is my next prediction, is that uh, Tamio gets better. Is this wishful thinking? Y- yes, it is but they completed Jace, and they're definitely not killing Jace, I I don't think so, I also really like Jace, I don't understand the hate that Jace gets for just being Jace, I think it's just because people don't like the counter spell, (laughs) the the spell, but I don't, I, I have a hard time believing they'll kill Jace, I could see them killing, like, yeah, Luca, you can die, you know, Nyssa even, sure, you know, I feel like Everyone that got completed could be killed off except for Jace. Like, even a Johnny? No, I think they're going to keep a Johnny around too. That's nuts that they completed a Johnny and Jace. But I I guess they, I don't know, maybe they'll kill him off, who knows. But I I, I do predict there will be some kind of cure. I think they're kind of setting it up like that. Especially, like... Just looking at the new Malira card that does something like it's—I'm not looking it up—but it's something like it return all permanents to their owners' control or something like that. That seems like they're setting up narratively that because because you know her old card saying like fuck poison counters in particular, and her new card saying like if you would get one, only get one or something to that effect, like. That makes sense in terms of the the lore, right? But, like, saying physically return the stolen item really indicates to me planeswalkers are going to be okay. They're going to get saved or something. And I think if you actually look at the process of what completion means uh, in the case of a planeswalker... Their soul is still in there, intact, which is the important part. I mean, it's magic, right? Like, this has got to be some kind of MacGuffin, like, you know, the Cauldron of Eternity with, you know, Garrick takes a dip in the hot tub, and he's better now, and yay, Chain Veil Curse is gone. But I got to assume at least the mental changes and the character changes are going to be reversible. I would have said the physical changes are irreversible until I saw Johnny. That guy looks fucking insane. So whether or not they cure him or not, who knows? I think you know, going planeswalker by planeswalker, like specifically addressing the physical changes. There are certain planeswalkers like you cannot be fucking walking around like that a Johnny. No one is going to be like, "Oh yeah, no, like he's he's chill." I mean look at him now there's some you know the art where he's like the red and the white like I, I think that indicates he's likely going to die or completion is wholly irrelevant physical changes revert to but I feel like that's a that's lazy if they do that so in my opinion Jace has not been physically changed that much at least not to the degree that we can see I feel like you just put a glove on, you know, maybe snip those tentacles off, you're gonna be alright, you know, he's gonna be okay, Tamiyo, I also feel like is gonna be okay, and that actually is narratively kinda cool, cause I feel like Tamio is like a very, you know, she's very traditional, and now she goes back to Kamigawa, no one on Kamigawa now is gonna look at her and be like, ew, gross, they're gonna be like, oh wow, sick body modifications, like, <laughs> can we do more of that, you know, like, point of bonding for her and her son, you know, like, that, that could be cool, I think Tameo's gonna be okay for that reason, Luca, you can't fucking walk around like that, like, that to me says Luca's gonna have to die, Tybalt was completed, uh, no card for Tybalt yet, and they kind of killed him, maybe, but he did get, like, well, I'll, I'll go into that in a minute, so, you know, Tybalt probably ultimately Reversible. I feel like, and and, or who the fuck cares what Tybalt looks like, he's basically evil, so meh, meh. yeah sure, give him a a weird like metal razor tail, sure, Nissa, probably fucked, probably dead, Vraska might be okay, I feel like Vraska can pull it off, and Nahiri is probably also mostly okay, the only ones where the physical transformations are like just too much, and it indicates to me either this is going to be wholly reversed, or they're going to die, is Luca and Ajani, because you just, you, you can't, you, you can't do that. I do have this theory about Planeswalkers, that once they get a four ability card, a four ability Planeswalker card, they are ready to die. Now, this kind of is screwed up by like, you know, Jace, but he's magic, he's the magic mascot, so, you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor being the second one, I don't think they were going with this yet, but, Jaya Ballard, got a four ability Planeswalker card in Dominaria, and now she's dead, um, who else, there was definitely more reasons why I thought this, Elspeth, maybe, I think, had four abilities on her card, even though it kind of sucked, but, yeah, Elspeth, you know, Planeswalking Away, that, that's another one of my uh, predictions. Elspeth is going to be fine. She's going to be, like, probably killed or something, and then reborn as an Angel Planeswalker, and it's going to be sick, and everyone's going to love it. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out, but Elspeth is probably not actually dead. Um, Teferi might be dead. I don't know if he's had a four-ability four, four ability Planeswalker card. No, he did, because we had that, um, the you-can-activate-abilities-at-any-time Teferi, which I love that card. Uh, so he could die. He, he is ready to die. But like, a Johnny Tamio, not quite. Just keep in mind, when a character gets a four ability Planeswalker card, they're allowed to die. Hence, uh, the reason I brought this up, Tibble, He got that four ability for all intents and purposes. I mean, if you're a creature on one side and a Planeswalker on the other side, I consider that, you know, pseudo four abilities. Um, planeswalker card. So... In that sense, I feel like Tybalt might just be dead, and we might not get another card for him, and that's okay. You know, ultimately, we'll we'll live without a Tybalt card. The, you know, the next part of of the predictions, like narratively, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like Teferi, Teferi can either die or go retire on on uh, what the fuck is his name? His, his, his Zalfir. He, he can go, you know, retire or die, whatever. I do think in the end of it, the end of the whole arc, the whole, uh you know, Phyrexia arc, essentially Phyrexia is not going to win. I don't think they can pull that off. Narratively, if Phyrexia wins, I'm done. I'm peacing out. This will be the last episode of the podcast if that happens. I mean, realistically, we'll get a couple more between now and April when March of the Machine comes out, but... I don't think Phyrexia is going to win. I do think that the Praetors are going to suffer heavy losses. well, maybe yes, maybe no. But anyway, I do think the Plan the Planeswalkers are going to win out in the end. I think it, you know what would be my my ideal for the end of this arc: every Praetor except for Urbrask and Elishnorn die in battles. Would you know? Would be cool. I think the way they wrap this up is if they want to save some slice of functioning Phyrexia, it is Urbrask's you know, clan, his, his little group. They get to live on Mirrodin They'll they'll retain some layer of it and the Mirrodins will rebuild. What I think would be really cool, Elish Norn planes walks away. At the end of this Give us an Elish Norn Planeswalker card It would be fucking sick I I think Elish is gonna spark Or rather not spark But do some kind of You know, Jyn Gataxis is working on this And has been of Elish Norn Planeswalking away at the end of this And that's how they keep this alive, right? You, you can have a pretty intact multiverse With Elish Norn licking her wounds somewhere Everyone else kind of fighting off Phyrexia in, you know, whatever form it takes, but, you know, something interesting I, I actually, I will, sh- you know, shout out this book that I got this uh, this week this past week it's uh, Magic the Gathering of Visual Guide by Jay and Ellie, who, again uh, part of the Vorthos cast they are basically this, but better uh, but also listen to this, please, thank you, and uh, like and review and all that on Spotify and Apple Podcast, thank you share with your friends Please, thank you. Um, it has a lot of really interesting demographic information in it. And something I think is you know worth pointing out, it, it has the official ages for the Planeswalkers, and also their height, which is just a, a fun game of which Planeswalkers my taller than. Specifically, I'm looking at Elspeth's right now. And it says Elspeth is in her late 20s. So let's think about that. Because it also has a really cool um, a timeline in the front of it, that specifically defines when events happen, when which sets happen in the world of Magic the Gathering. And, you know, I'm actually going to flip to it right now, but my my point with looking at Elspeth's page specifically and her being in her late 20s, it indicates, you know, the Phyrexians, because we, we know certain things about Elspeth and her life for certain. Part of it was... Elspeth was born as like a pet of the Phyrexians in like a Phyrexian camp on the plain where New Capenna is, which I don't know the name of. But point being, the Phyrexians had some kind of establishment on that plane at least thirty some odd years ago. Which um let me let me flip to that right now, because Okay, so it's looking like 60 years after the mending is about where we are. Currently, we are in the year 62 62 years after the mending. But, like, just to kind of go blow by blow on this, like, in, in recent times... So, you know, you have the mending... And then the story kind of picks up 56 years after the Mending, we have uh, Ravnica, the Agents of Artifice, which I think that'd be like, what, first Ravnica? Second Ravnica? First Ravnica, I think. 56 years, you also have Alara, the Shards of Alara, the events of that. Uh, Mirrodin slash New Phyrexia is established in 57 years after the Mending, technically, And, you know, so we can go through... I'll go through this at a, you know, a later date, but 57 to 61 is Theros beyond death. So that's, what, that's four years? Elspeth is in her late 20s now. It's been about a year. And so now, you know, Elspeth would have been, like, what, 25 when New Phyrexia was really popping off? So, you know, they had Phyrexia, not just New Phyrexia, but Phyrexia proper, had some kind of establishment on New Capenna in, you know, 40 years after the Mending. So, that indicates, I don't remember where I was going with this, what the fuck does that indicate? I I guess my point is, Phyrexia can always exist somewhere, maybe Elishnorn groups up with them and takes over them. I think it would be really compelling to have Phyrexia be, you know, we know they're not going to kill off Phyrexia in in its entirety, they're gonna do some bolus thing, like popping him in the meditation realm. Hey, maybe they can be cellmates in there. But Elish Norn establishing Phyrexia somewhere else that isn't New Phyrexia, but also keeping it contained so that we can have regular sets again. I think that's you know ultimately how this is gonna end. So you know those are those are my my brief and uh, albeit not very descriptive uh, predictions for March of the Machines where magic you know magic story is going. Specifically, I I do think Quintorius is going to spark, I do think that he is going to be in the Ixalan set that's coming up, but also, you know, just looking at, you know, the sets that are coming up after March of the Machines, we know Throne of Eldraine is the set immediately after. So what does that say for some of the Planeswalkers who were completed? Well, I think what that says, because again, Cauldron of Eternity, big magic MacGuffin that magically cures Garrick, there's some precedent there that, oh damn, we could get Garrick and March of the Machines, we probably will, that's exciting, I like Garrick, he's just a cool guy, but anyway, there is some precedent that, you know, that's kind of magic's like reset world, they went there after War of the Spark, and I think it's possible, maybe Tamio goes there, maybe we get, you know, free from Phyrexia, but still physically completed Tamio going to Eldraine being like, you know, I can't go home like this and trying to find a way to cure herself. Maybe we get Nashi walking across the Planar Bridge because I, I guess that's the other thing, right? Is the, the big question, does the, not Planar Bridge, does the Realm Breaker survive after the invasion? It might be interesting, but I think ultimately it's kind of, boring to narratively just say like, yeah, planes are, planes are, you know, whatever the fuck you want them to be now. You know, I, I think I like having that, uh, separation, but it's interesting that, you know, precedent wise, it could be different going forward. So those are basically my, uh, my predictions for March of the Machine. And I think that's pretty much all I want to talk about today. So thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Please, uh, rate and share. I think that's that's the, the two main things. I will be launching a Patreon at some point, so if you do enjoy these episodes and I get paid for them, I'll definitely feel like I have to make them every week. A little late this week, but uh, hey, it's getting out there. So thank you for listening. This has been Poor Man's Lore. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.